Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Greetings to all my fellow seekers at Experience Christian Church and to all of you, all the rest of you who are joining us today, worshiping God together, studying God's word together. I'd like to give a special thanks to Matt and Carrie Silver for leading our congregation and allowing me to share in its teaching ministry today. I love them, I love this congregation, and I love to preach. We're in the middle of a wonderful small group Bible study drawn from 1 Peter. It's a short letter near the end of the New Testament, but it's long on meaning for our individual lives and our our lives together. One of the verses that jumped out at me during our study is 1 Peter 2, verse 21. It reads this way, For to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving behind an example that you should follow in his steps. I guess that verse jumped out at me because the last line was the last point of my last sermon about following Jesus day by day, uh, or as Peter puts it, that you should follow in his footsteps. But now, looking back again at that verse from, um, from a little more of distance, with a little more of a wider lens, something else strikes me about it. It's not the last line, but the first line. You were called. I guess I first learned about being called from my mother, who would call me from the backyard to come in for supper or call me from down at the barn to come up to the house and do some chores. I learned about being called from my father who would call me from the woods down at the back of our farm with uh, his father's hand-carved wooden hunting horn, fox hunting horn. I learned more about being called when I got to elementary school. I uh, remember the joy of being chosen by Chuck to play on his softball team. But I also learned something else on that playground that you have to choose to be chosen. Like that day at recess when Donnie chose Jimmy, but Jimmy wanted to play on Chuck's team and refused to be chosen by Donnie. We never did get to play softball that day at recess. But the most wonderful thing of all is to be called by God, and we have. You may have thought I may have thought at one time that the Bible talks mostly about us calling on God. And, and of course, it does. Jumping from 1 Peter 2.21 back to Acts 2.21 in the New Testament, we see that Peter himself had affirmed that, quote, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, yes, we can. Yes, we do. Yes, we should call on God. We call on God, as Peter says, for salvation. 
but we also call on God in praise and in prayer, in repentance, in joy, in sorrow. Abraham called on God, Samson and Elijah and David and Paul all called on God, and so do we. But our verse today says, you were called by God. And lots of Bible passages talk about this as well, being called by God. For instance, Paul says, you have been called by God, so be humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. The author of Hebrews says, holy partners in a heavenly calling, keep your focus on Jesus. And Peter himself has already asserted earlier in this letter that we call 1 Peter, that we've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, I'll say it again. It's a wonderful thing to be called by God, to be chosen by God. And we have. Now, let's look back at 1 Peter 2.21. Let me read it once again. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving behind an example for you that you should follow in his steps. Here Peter asserts that God has called us specifically to emulate an example, an example that's been left behind exactly, especially for us. I want to understand that concept. I really want to get this one right. So let me ask a few clarifying questions just for my own sake, and you can listen in. First of all, I want to know, what did Peter mean by example, leaving behind an example? Well, I discovered that it's a fascinating word, a word used only this one time in the whole New Testament. I'll, I'll teach you the, the actual Greek word. It's hupogramas. It's not too hard to say. Hupogramas. The hupa part, or hypo part, means under, like hypodermic needle goes under the skin. And gramas means the letter, a letter of the alphabet. We get the word grammar and grammatical from it. A letter of the alphabet. So it, it came to refer to writing in general. So hupogramas means underwriting. What does that mean, underwriting? Well, the ancient philosopher Plato himself tells us. He says it refers to a wax tablet used by teachers uh, to teach the Greek alphabet to children. The teacher would take a wax tablet and very carefully write the, the perfect shape of each letter of the alphabet, and then hand the tablet to the student, and the student would take a stylus, a pen with no ink in it, and trace those letters, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, uh, trace those letters over and over again until they could duplicate them perfectly. It's one of the ways we teach the alphabet even today, by having a, maybe a dotted lines, you know, and then children trace them with a pencil. So that's what we're called to do, Peter says. Trace, 
trace an example, a perfect example of the word and will of God. All right, second question, whose example were they to trace? Well, that one's um, an easy one to answer. It's the example of Jesus Christ, right? His life of suffering, uh, in his steps, both those things are mentioned in this very verse. And the rest of the paragraph, in fact, the whole rest of the chapter is really about Jesus Christ. L look at the very next verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 22. It says, He, Jesus, committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he didn't return abuse. When he suffered, he didn't threaten but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself, this is Jesus still, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sins we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. So, we're called to trace the words of Christ, to trace the works of Christ, to imitate, emulate the person and pattern of Christ. It's a wonderful thing to be called by God to copy Christ. All right, question number three. Who is the you of you were called? Well, you have to look back at the beginning of this paragraph, chapter 2, verse 18, 1 Peter 2, 18. This paragraph was originally addressed to slaves. Here's what verse 18 says. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only those who are kind and gentle, but to those who are wicked. In the context of this letter, 1 Peter the you is followers of Christ who were slaves, some of whom were treated well, some of whom were badly abused, but all of whom suffered the indignity of being owned, being possessions, being treated like a human tool, less than human. It's not surprising that lots of Christians were slaves, 10 to 20% of the residents of the Roman Empire were slaves. In Italy itself, that percentage ballooned to 30 to 40%. And in the city of Rome, the capital of the empire, 50% of the inhabitants were slaves. No surprise then that one-third of the New Testament books address or refer to Christians who were slaves. And slavery in general is mentioned in two-thirds of the 27 books of the New Testament. It's also not surprising that lots of first-century slaves became Christians. In Christ and in the church, they found a faith that rejected class and wealth and gender and race and culture as the determiners of human worth. Instead, they found a faith that valued them because of the creation. We were created in the image of God, all of us. And because of the cross, we were all saved 
by God's grace. Peter's point in addressing the slaves is not to excuse slavery, but given the reality of slavery in the Roman Empire, he says enslaved believers should see in Jesus an example to be emulated. Jesus was used and abused just like they were, but he didn't abuse his abusers. Instead, he focused on entrusting himself to God and so should they. But I have to add, I think you, and I'm, I'm pointing at you, I think you are included in the you of you were called. I think I was included too. Because Jesus is our Savior, and Jesus is our exemplar, just as much as he was those first century Christians who were slaves. Jesus suffered for us. Jesus suffered like us. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. And as with him, retaliation is never the appropriate response. All right, question number four. <clears throat> what example, what is it about Jesus Christ that we are to copy? Well, the, the obvious answer is suffering in the original slavery context, right? But there are many other character traits about Jesus that we're to copy as well. For one thing, we trace the shape of his service. The Gospel of John tells us that after washing their feet, Jesus put on his robe again and sat down and asked his disciples, Do you understand what I was doing? Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So, one of the things we trace is service. We serve others, meeting their simplest needs like a servant, like Jesus. We also trace the shape of his self-giving love. Later in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, Love one another in the same way that I have loved you. We love one another, tracing a self-giving, other-oriented love, just like Jesus. We trace the shape of his obedience. 1 John chapter 2 says this, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That's how we know that we're living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So we trace a life of obedience that we see in Jesus. We trace the shape of sharing that we see in him as well. Still in 1 John chapter 3, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So, we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? We share with those in need, not literally giving up our lives, but but literally giving, 
giving out of our livelihoods, our possessions, like Jesus. And we trace the shape of his sacrifice. Peter, Paul writes these beautiful words in Philippians. Keep thinking in your own minds what was the mind of Christ Jesus, who even though he was in the form of God, didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born as a human being. And when he appeared in human likeness, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. According to Paul, we sacrifice self-centeredness, emptying self of self, made in the image of the sovereign God, but imagining ourselves as a slave, just like Jesus, taking up our cross, whatever that might be. In the oldest Christian document, not in the New Testament, did you get that? The very oldest Christian writing that we still have that did not get included in the books of the New Testament, a Christian leader named Clement also addressed the importance of tracing the example of Jesus. And he used our word, hupogramas. He wrote, you see, my beloved, what is the tracing, the hupogramas, the, the example given to us. For if the Lord thus humbled himself, what should we do who have through him come under his yoke? Clement claimed that humility, yielding one's self for the sake of others, was the ultimate example of Jesus. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it, to be called by God to emulate the example of Jesus. Now, one last question. What does it mean that Jesus left behind an example? Well, the word for left behind turns out to refer to an inheritance, a legacy. My uh, wife, Pat, had a great-grandfather who taught in a one-room schoolhouse in southeastern Ohio. He too taught children how to trace their letters correctly. Pat has happily inherited his McGuffey readers. Here's, here's one of them, which taught children how to read and write. And she inherited uh, these McGuffey charts as well that could hang up on the, the blackboard and, and help children learn how to read and write. I say happily, uh, because this was a meaningful legacy for Pat. She followed in her great-grandfather's footsteps, in a sense, and became a teacher of reading and writing. I've got my own little handwriting legacy, uh, I guess. Uh, whenever I sign my name, I think of my father, because I see the J that I write that I copied from him, the way he made a J, uh, my first name is the same as his was James. So, our calling turns out to be our legacy left behind by Jesus for us, our inheritance from him. Being called to copy Jesus is a key part of our spiritual inheritance. 
And if it's a part of our spiritual inheritance, it's got to be part of our spiritual influence as well. We learn from Christ, and we learn Christ. Yeah, first from Christ, right? Paul says in Ephesians, you must no longer walk as the nations walk with their empty minds, their darkened understanding, alienated from the life of God, ignorant and hard of heart, insensitive, immoral, impure. You did not learn Christ that way. So Jesus is not only the source from which we learn, Jesus is what we learn, our, the subject matter, as it were. And it doesn't stop there. We learn from Christ, we learn Christ. But we also teach about Christ and teach Christ. Some of Jesus' final words to his followers were these. Therefore, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the commandments I have given you. So, we trace the letters of his life, our legacy, and then hand it on, our legacy, leaving behind that legacy for others. It's a wonderful thing to be called by God to receive and hand on such a legacy. Well, I want to know what that looks like very practically. What does it exactly, concretely look like? It looks a lot like serving, doesn't it? Like Jesus getting down on his knees to wash someone's dusty bare feet. Someone who maybe should have washed his feet in the first place. It looks a lot like us changing the diapers of someone who can't do anything for us in return. It looks like going out on a Saturday morning with other folks from ECC to join good works in performing meaningful labor at other people's houses. This looks like loving. It looks like loving like Jesus, loving the snooty Samaritans and the smug Pharisees, like Jesus loving close friends who denied they even knew him and later betrayed him. It looks like parents who prioritize the needs of their children and years later like adult children who prioritize the needs of their aging parents. It looks like nurses who risk COVID to treat people with COVID. It looks like obeying, like Jesus, obeying God's will in every way. Even when Satan and the world and his own disciples willed otherwise, even when his family and friends selfishly tried to protect him from himself. It looks like us submitting to the whole will of God in the choices we make every day, in the choices we're going to make this coming week in our relationships and at work and, and in our most private moments. It looks like sharing, sharing our livelihood to shore up the lives of others like viewing and valuing our possessions through the lens of compassion. It may be as simple as paying the bill of the random car behind you in the drive through line at McDonald's. It looks a lot like sacrifice too, not like dying on, the, on a cross, 
not giving up our life at the end of our life, but like carrying our crosses every day, giving of ourselves for the sake of others. And don't forget Clement. It looks like humility too, doesn't it? The humility of Christ. It's, it's truly a wonderful thing to be called by God to emulate the example of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for calling us, calling us to trace Jesus. Help us to focus on Jesus this week. Help us celebrate the body of Christ in which we see so many good models of ministry and service. And help us to keep learning and keep living out our Lord, tracing every line of his life, his love, his word, and his work. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.